ora and welcome to Family, Whānau and Disability, a podcast brought to you by Parent to Parent New Zealand. We are here for the many Kiwi families out there caring for a disabled child or family member. We know the journey caring for a disabled or a neurodiverse child is not an easy or a straightforward one. So this podcast is a place to explore the issues that affect us, to share stories, swap tips and even have a laugh or two. We would love for you to join us each month, so make sure you subscribe. Please also be aware that the views shared are those of the individual and may not represent the views of parent to parent. This podcast is brought to you by Parent to Parent. Please note any views or opinions expressed by the speakers are of the individual speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent parent to parent as an organisation. Welcome to Connect, Inform, Support on Free FM 89.0. Brought to you by Parent to Parent, the not for profit organisation supporting families and whanau of babies, children, teens, and adults with any type of disability or health impairment. Hello, humans. Welcome to Connect, Inform, Support. I'm Louise, your producer, host, and altogether awesome unicorn of gloriousness. Today, we're going to be continuing the topic parenting siblings with and without special needs. And we're going to be talking to a colleague of mine, Rebecca Armstrong. She's a researcher for Parent to Parent, and she researches complex requests and consults with the professional expert group. She also writes for the Altogether Autism Journal and is involved in the PRISM Professional Development series. She's completed a master's degree in applied psychology and she's worked with children with autism in the school and home environment since 2013. She's currently studying alongside working for Parent to Parent for a postgraduate diploma in the practice of clinical psychology. She's also a parent of two. Welcome to the show Rebecca, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me here. So we're going to uh, talk about parenting and um, specifically parenting kids with and without special needs, but looking at the parenting side of it and how parents can essentially look after themselves and and make sure that they're giving their best self to their kids. So, um, Rebecca, you were going to talk about um, parenting and self-compassion. What what exactly does that mean? I think we're socialised as parents to put other people's needs first. We're socialised as women Mm. as well, not just parents, to put other people's needs first, that asking for help is seen as as a weakness. Mm. Um, We're kind of given these messages as we grow up. So, Mm. yeah, when I talk about parenting and self-compassion, I'm talking about looking and treating yourself with with kindness that you treat others or yeah. you know res- respecting your own feelings and and understanding your own humanity mm. and and being kind to yourself and yeah. you know no blame and shame no judgment just actually knowing that you're doing the best you can with the tools that you have mm. and um and it's you know parenting can be challenging and especially <laughs> parenting children with special needs mm. as well you know mm. um it's it's not a walk in the park sometimes no, definitely not <laughs> so so yeah when i talk about kindness and self compassion it's it's really applying that kindness to yourself and yeah. I, i'm a very firm believer of um you know before you look after others, you need to look after yourself. Yeah. And self-care isn't selfish. Self-care is essential. Mm. 
I think that's what people have difficulty with, with the concept of self-care. Some people see it as putting your wants above everybody else's needs, whereas Mm -hmm. it's putting your needs above everybody else's wants. So you look after yourself in order to be able to look after everybody else. If you're empty, if you've got nothing to give, then you can't help anyone else. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And we know that mothers, especially of special needs children, end up with higher anxiety, Mm. higher feelings of low mood, depression, all these kind of of experiences. Mm. And if you're already working from banks that are depleted of any resources, such as your energy, Mm. your time, your motivation, your your emotions are, are... and empty essentially mm. then then it's harder to actually care for others yeah so it's that concept of filling your own reserves it's, it's that concept of um, filling your own energy banks mm. finding things that that refuel you yeah. whether that's even just five minutes of breathing out in the garden <laughs> or you know these things yeah. that taking these moments where you can and and scheduling in the time for yourself yeah. if you are you know we live in a very busy society mm. That is usually we are very time poor and we are over committed a mm. lot of the time. So finding moments for yourself within that time and, and finding what works for you. Yeah, and I think a lot of people find that they uh, they don't feel that they can ask for help in order to get those moments because they feel asking for help for something that's going to be beneficial to them is inherently selfish. Whereas mm. we need to teach people that asking someone to mind your kids for you for half an hour while you just go and have a coffee is is perfectly reasonable absolutely and and it fosters that sense of community as well Mm. doesn't it you know people actually one of the things that increase mental health and well-being is giving Mm. and and so actually asking for help and and allowing others to help us can also be beneficial for those other people who have that sense of of purpose and Mm. and giving so asking for help can be beneficial to those who are helping as Mm. well it's it's not a burden it's yeah and also like you say accepting help when it's offered as well I think we all Mm. often find it difficult to take someone up on an offer because we we either don't believe them they we think they're just being polite or they're just saying it as words they don't actually mean it but Mm. as an English person coming into New Zealand Kiwis mean what they say this is my general experience is that English people tend to not mean what they say (laughs) (laughs) so I've had to learn coming here that if someone says hey call me we'll go for coffee they really do mean it and if you say to someone oh yeah I'll be home tomorrow pop around for a cup of tea they'll probably show up on your doorstep and as an English person that was quite surprising that people actually did that it wasn't just platitudes yeah so I think we have to just remind people that Kiwis are a hospitable bunch Mm. and we need to believe each other when we offer help yeah, yeah and it's genuine yeah it's yeah, genuine like and it's say. not it's not done in a judgmental you're not coping I'm going to judge you kind of way it's like wow you're struggling let me help I've got some time free or you know your kids and my kids are friends let's get them together you go out and have a coffee or go do your shopping in peace you know little things like that and yeah. and yeah just like you said recognizing that it's not a weakness it's actually a strength to be able to say no I can't do this on my own mm. I need some help yeah absolutely mm totally agree with that yeah so with dealing with kids parenting is a flipping hard work (laughs) as we all know with or without special needs it's exhausting and if I'd known how bad it was going to be maybe I wouldn't have signed up to it but don't tell my kids that (laughs) but um one of the things we were talking about was um with challenging behavior difficult behavior when kids act up 
and quite often we find siblings of children with special needs may act out by expressing their feelings in ways that we deem acceptable and and how how we can deal with that as parents you know where, where can we go with that if our kids playing up what do we do yeah well that's that's a big topic yeah in itself, exactly isn't it? so I mean the one of the things I've learned through parent to parent is is initially changing how I see the behavior so mm. rather than seeing it as bad behavior looking at it from another perspective so what's your researchers take on that yeah I agree with that there's actually um one of my favorite books in terms of when it comes to behavior is by Ross Green um and he talks about reframing behavior Mm. so rather than looking at a child you know it's the language we use around behavior as well Mm. you know that child's doing this behavior because they want attention Mm. you know they're they're doing it because they're naughty Mm. but actually kids do well when they can Mm. and, and it may not be that they they won't do something or that they are behaving in a particular way intentionally Mm. but it may be that they actually don't know the correct way to behave in situations Mm. or they actually you know kids do well if they can yeah exactly they want to do right yeah yeah. so rather than coming from that place of judgment and and, you know and assuming that it is for a particular reason Mm. come from it from a curious kind of place you know what's going on for this child in this situation why are they behaving in this way? Mm. You know, this is this is stressful for all involved. Like, what can we do to? What skills are lacking here? Mm. What can we do to, um, to to prov- help teach the the more appropriate skills mm. in this situation? You know, yeah. Um, you know, if find the stresses that mm. that's 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 causing these yeah. behaviours, reduce them. Yeah. You know, find what unmet needs are, mm. are occurring and, and meet them. Yeah. And, and find skill deficits, find mm. what's going on, what yeah. skills are lacking or what they're struggling with, and teach them. Yeah. So these kind of rather than naughty punishment reward kind of, mm. you know, I mean, that has its place as well, of course. I, but, mm. but as a curious detective almost of behaviour yeah. and, <laughs> and thinking actually... Kids do good when they can. If yeah. a kid knows how to behave in a situation, you know, that behaviour is a communication. What yeah. are they communicating to yeah. us? I think that's going to be quite a hard concept for a lot of parents to take on board. I know it took me a while and I still mm. struggle with it. The idea that kids are not doing something on purpose if they, you know, even if they know the rules for you know on a basic level they know they're not supposed to jump on the sofa but we also have to remember age appropriate we we Mm. keep looking at kids through adult eyes and we forget what it's like to be eight years old and to not really have much impulse control yeah and I think sometimes maybe jumping on the sofa is a lot more fun than getting you know the the reward pays off more than than (laughs) mum tells me off but oh well I got to jump on the sofa and have a bit of fun yeah exactly you know sometimes a payoff yeah exactly yeah but then a lot of parents might think oh well maybe I need to make harsher punishments for doing this bad behavior inverted commas so I mean how do we teach parents to to manage this sort of behavior in this kind of way without it being constantly ramping up the punishment to make the kid comply as it were yeah and um, I think in, in that say that specific situation mm. is a nice little example um, obviously that child is getting something from jumping on the couch and as, especially <laughs> if you've got a child that might have um, sensory requirements yeah. or um, so maybe 
it's telling you that that child needs some kind of sensory input. Mm. They, they might be seeking some jumping, the wind, the feeling. Mm. So it's probably more about providing, okay, you're not allowed to jump on the sofa. That is the rules. It could break. It's inside. There's a window right mm. there, you know, descri- explaining why, but providing an opportunity of where they can get that, mm. that same sensory input. Is yeah. there a trampoline? Is there a little... You know, you can get those little ones that, that maybe they could jump on. You know, yeah, an alternative. Be creative. Sometimes <laughs> I think parenting is all about being a bit more creative with with the resources we have. Yeah, <laughs> but that yeah, for that specific example, I think it's providing opportunities, mm. talking with the child, working with the child. Yeah, make it collaborative. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a big thing is, is collaborative and, and negotiating. And I think a lot of parents, my husband included, is very much a, I'm in charge, you do what I tell you because mm. what I tell you is the correct thing and you yeah. need to not question me because I know what I'm talking about. Whereas I'm much more, and I'm becoming a lot more of a negotiator, a lot more of a what's going on here. Yeah. So I'm trying to, trying, husband is 
doing better at, at listening and coming more to the the negotiating table. But his his natural go to is still dictatorial yeah. rather than negotiator. So it's quite it's quite a tough one teaching someone who's always parented and has been raised with that parenting mindset. His own parents were the same. Yeah, they absolutely. told you what to do, you do what you're told, and it wasn't questioned. So, Children are seen, not heard. Yeah, or just you just do no, what you're told because Dad says so. You yeah, know, that's what you do. And yeah, I don't I don't quite know what if you didn't do what you're told, but, but you just did what you're yeah, told. Yeah, you just did what yeah. you're told. So trying and whereas I was raised with more of a. I was there was expectations placed on me for certain behaviours, but there was more of a negotiating aspect, more of a discussion aspect. Especially as I got older and became a teenager, there was a lot more talking about what my what the expectations were and why. A lot of why questions were answered, and I try and do that with my kids. But um, yeah, so how do we teach a parent who's used to just saying "do as you're told" to reframe that? Yeah, I think, again, that's very individual. Yeah. Some people will be more open to yeah, that than others. Yeah, people have to be open to the change, I suppose. Yeah, but I think you mentioned something really good there when you talked about our own expectations mm. and, and what we, um, as parents, expect from our children, mm. sometimes probably more than is capable in some <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of see them as little adults, but yep. actually developmentally they don't have that same abstract thinking that we have. They mm. don't see the world in the same way that we see the world. Yeah. Um, remembering that yeah. sometimes is important. But looking at I think when we're talking about behaviour, when we're talking about... I I mean, this comes into siblings as well, Mm. but we're talking about what are our expectations? Are they realistic? And remembering that equal doesn't mean fair and and that... Yeah, remembering their kids at the end of the day and reminding yourself that children behave in inexplicable and confusing ways. Yeah, and sometimes it's our expectations or as parents, our... Yeah, our expectations that actually need to change yes. or our behaviour or our acceptance. Mm. And remembering that pe- children are their own little personalities and mm. they're not... We can't control them. I no. mean, we can, we're can. there to guide them and teach them mm. and and help them to be safe in the world, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and to be functional little people. Yeah, so. exactly. And I think that's, that's it. Parents need to maybe reassess their roles and almost try not to apply how you were raised to it if it's not necessarily working you know like Mm. if you were raised to do as you're told unquestioningly you know think about why why that why that would work you know what's the what would that achieve in the real world obeying orders unquestioningly leads to quite horrific things sometimes so Yeah. yeah teaching your kids to question you although frustrating and infuriating means that they're developing their own sense of morality and things like that. Yeah, mm. and to to a point as well. Um, it's, it's a really difficult concept to apply to everyone. Mm. Like every oh, yeah. family situation is so different. And, mm. and what works with one child, such as very clear guidance and, and strict rules, and, mm. and those w- might work really well for that yeah. family. Oh, yeah. And then what works for another might be that more flexible, negotiative kind of... Mm. Dynamic. So mm. again, it's very dependent on the family, yeah. on the individual. But yeah, I think if parents can, you know, you sit back, you reflect, and it's like, why am I wanting to change this behaviour? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? Kind yeah. of that 
you know, I know I'm doing the best that I can. Mm. That, back to that self-compassion again. Yeah. And yeah. 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 And just, yeah, reminding yourself that, that, yeah, why, why are you trying to make this kid comply with this particular rule? What, what's, what's the end result supposed to be? What are you hoping for? Yeah. And can you, can you get that same result a different way? Or does this end result actually matter at the end of the day? One of the things I, I learned about on various parenting courses was to think about, will it matter in 10 minutes? Will it matter in, 10 weeks will it matter in 10 months will it matter in 10 years and you think mm. if it's really not going to matter in a couple of weeks time why am I fighting about it now yeah yeah and then we could get into those I know personally I do get into those little battles <laughs> yeah, exactly when you're fighting and you're actually thinking oh this is such a purposeless yeah there is no purpose to this argument yeah, and now exactly. it's just a battle of wills <laughs> that's what and it I'm comes likely down to. to not win <laughs> yeah exactly it comes down to that who's who's gonna cave in first <laughs> just getting frustrated yeah. and getting my own like wound up emotionally myself <laughs> absolutely yeah but yeah, you have to just stop and go. Hang on, this is a pointless argument. We're not getting anywhere. I'm going to go away and calm down. Which is very hard to do in the moment. <laughs> it is. It is. It's yeah, extremely hard. Yeah, and I think hard, it's being yeah. gentle with ourselves, walking away and thinking, "Huh, I could have handled that a bit better." Yeah. Next time, you know, be a bit reflective. Yeah. And, and come up with strategies for yourself to yeah. deal with things next exactly. time. And being willing to show that vulnerability to your children as well, I think, mm. is really important. A lot of people are afraid to, to back down or to change their mind or to apologise to kids because they fear it shows some sort of vulnerability that the kid will then exploit in future, which mm. isn't true. You know, I've I've learned myself that by being more human and saying to kids, hey, look, I messed up. I shouldn't have yelled at you. That was wrong. I'm sorry, and then just sort of moving on from there, my kids are much more likely to come and repeat that back to me when they've had a bad day. Like they, they'll lose their temper, and then five minutes later they'll go back, I'm sorry I yelled, Mummy. And that's because I demonstrated the behaviour I wanted to see in them. And it, it was quite difficult to be vulnerable like that to mm. my kids, but it's been really positive. It's had a very positive effect. Yeah, and again, it comes back to that open and honest communication, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and and allowing your children to see your humanity, mm. and allowing them to to know that it's okay to express these feelings. Yeah. That that we're not we're not always happy. We're mm. not always. Um, in a positive mood mm. and we don't always know how to deal with situations yeah exactly it's we're human and, yeah. and so is everybody else yeah and so that real um sense of you know it's okay yeah to not be okay yeah exactly yeah and i think and giving the kids that sort of safe zone where they know they can lose their temper they can fight with their siblings they can say something they wouldn't necessarily mean and they're not going to be vilified for it. They're not mm. going to be punished for having normal feelings and, and to show them that, yeah, we all lose it sometimes. We all say things we don't mean, but we're a family. We love each other. We all go calm down and then we come back and we talk about it and we sort it out. Mm. I think that's important. And for especially in families where there's extra stresses of special needs and health impairments, whatever, teaching those kids that yeah you might lose it occasionally but we're all still here to look after each other and that's okay yeah and, and sometimes even you know some of our children with special needs actually struggle with putting their own feelings and thoughts and emotions into words mm. so sometimes modeling that behavior yeah. um it's almost like an external you know narrative i'm yeah. feeling this way because this happened mm. and you know it made me feel sad so next time 
Yeah. I would prefer this to happen. Yeah. Sometimes just that can be starting to teach that um, that way of um, putting words to to our thoughts, to our feelings. Yeah. And, and exactly. that in itself can be really beneficial. Yeah, yeah, being able to give the kids a voice that they may not otherwise have yeah, yeah. in lots of different ways. And the other thing we were talking about is teaching kids about parenting having to be different for each child about the fair versus equal thing so I've been trying to teach my kids that they don't all get the same stuff because especially now they're all different ages and they've got significantly different needs they're not going to get the same things and that's quite a hard concept to get through to them yeah (laughs) you have something there about fair versus equal so tell us about that yeah um it is a really important, like, it's a hard concept to get mm. through. I'm thinking siblings here, especially mm. when they see, you know, a special need child getting a lot more attention, feeling a bit left out, or feeling like, why do they get away with something that I wouldn't get away with? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, this fear is not always equal concept. Um, there's a nice little analogy, actually that talks about um, talking with your kids mm. about fear is not e- always equal. Mm. And and you can kind of compare it to, you know, being a parent or being a teacher is like being a doctor. Mm. And, and, you know, kids go to the doctor with different needs. Mm. One might go with a, a scraped knee. One might go with a broken arm. One might go with a cough. And mm. one might go with a sore stomach. Mm. Now... If it was fair or if it was equal, then the doctor would give all of those people the same treatment. Here you go. Here's cough medicine. All those people have cough medicine. But actually, that's only going to help one of those people because they all need different things. And kind of liken that to... To in the at home or mm. in the classroom, you know, um, every child learns differently. Every child ne- has different needs, mm. different requirements mm. to help them. Um, yep. Some people might be very visual. Some people might like to read. Mm. Um, so yeah, so just yeah, and some some kids, like you said before, might need sensory input that other kids might not get. So one kid might be allowed to go and run around the playground three times, mm. and you might not because you don't need that. You might want to do it, but you don't need it for your own ability to focus. Yeah, so. <laughs> Although sometimes I think that would be helpful for help, those yeah. <laughs> That's true. Brain breaks. Yeah. Get them all running around yes. for, around the playground for three minutes. It might, that's, again, a classroom situation yeah. more than a... But mind you, sometimes at home, if your child's restless and yep. getting them to run around the house. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, definitely that, that fear is not always equal. It's, it is hard to get children to understand that. But, again, it's that open and honest communication, yeah, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, it comes back it's, to it. Yeah, it's such a big one, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming and talking to us, Rebecca. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. As listeners are aware, I like to play music on our podcasts, and while I generally pick music that is either by disabled artists or has a message in the lyrics that relates to the topic we're discussing that week, I would like to have more original music from New Zealand artists, and particularly New Zealand artists with disability. So if you or anyone you know produces music that you would be willing to share with us so we could put it on our podcast, and then uh, we'd link to your your website or your Facebook page or whatever band links you had in our show notes and we'd mention you on the podcast, please do let us know. You can contact me through the Parent to Parent website, parenttoparent.org.nz. So have a look at our website, uh, click the Contact Us button and the info can get through to me.
Connect, inform, support. Join us next week on Free FM 89.0 for support and information from parent to parent. The program can be downloaded as a podcast, and of course, you can get more information on our website, parenttoparent.org.nz. This has been Family, Fano, and Disability from Parent to Parent. I have been your host, Johanna. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that you'll join us again soon.